You are now listening to Pura Cultura Collective with Book Papi. Disfruta. So we are here with Christine Candic Torres, an incredible author. She wrote The Girls in Queens. She's from Queens. But yeah, Christine, please start off, introduce yourself. The first part of the segment of the show is really talking about your cultura, where are you from, your neighborhood, everything. Thank you so much for having me today, Adrian. This is very cool. Um, as you can tell uh, by the name of the book, I am I am also a Queens girl, very through and through. I was uh, born and raised in Woodside and um, and Elmhurst. I went to school in Elmhurst um, and a public school student throughout my whole career up to college. Graduated Newtown High School nice. and went to Brooklyn College. Uh, so, you know, very um, – I have a lot of Queens pride. I, um, I love – I love Queens. I know it gets a lot of attention for being the most diverse county in the entire world. And that's beautiful. And one of the things that I loved about growing up there and having um, friends from all different countries and continents. Um, um, and so, uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit more, but like I, I wanted to, to um, capture all that love in, in this book. So in some ways, the book is a little bit of a love letter to Queens and to growing up there. Um, beautiful. And yeah, and I myself, I'm, uh, my parents are Puerto Rican. Uh, my mother's Puerto Rican. My father's Croatian, which in itself is a very Queens mix, yeah. like an unusual Queens That's mix. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you get a little bit of that. There's a lot of uh, Latinx um, culture in the book, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's set in very diverse neighborhoods. Um, so yeah. Yeah, and I think that's all that's, I can tell no, you yeah, that's, <laughs> my background. That is very Jackson Heights and very Queens things, really, because... Even yesterday, in the pop-up market, I met this family who, the woman was Colombian, and she said we had just moved to, Jack- to Jackson Heights in Queens, one of the mm-hmm. most diverse areas in Queens. And yeah. I said, oh, that's amazing. Me thinking she moved from Brooklyn or like the Bronx or whatever. Nope. Her husband came. She was like, wait, did you tell him where we moved from? And she was like, no. They moved from Amsterdam. They've never been in New York. Oh. They had never been to New York. They did all their research. And yeah. they have two children. And they're going to be Dutch and Colombian. So it's a, a two mix, and they felt like this neighborhood would have been great for both of them to really like introduce them to their culture, to other cultures, and really, and exactly what you said, it's like it's a perfect neighborhood for that. And I was so surprised yeah, that's, that's a big switch. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's amazing. Um, it's so cool. Um, but it makes sense but, that also that it also makes sense that a Colombian was like. Oh, this is a very diverse neighborhood, but also there's a lot of yeah, yeah, she was... restaurants and stuff. And there's literally a scene about music blaring from a car in this mm-hmm. book. Um, and I've just been realizing um, I'm doing some preparation work for the paperback coming out in May. And uh, one of them is doing a playlist because I think Ooh. that I've realized in doing press for the book that music really is an important part of this book, too. Like it brings you back to the time period that I'm yeah. writing about in the 90s and the 2000s. Um, but also just being able to hear different languages when you're walking down Queens, like hearing other people speaking different languages, hearing other music in different languages from different cultures. Um, it's really beautiful. Um, I'm so glad you said that because one of my questions later on was actually going to be mm-hmm. when you were writing this book and when you're writing your next book and when you're writing it in general, do you listen to music? Are you listening to anything specific? I do usually listen to music and it's different for everything that I'm doing. Um, and and what I've realized is that there's I have a playlist for the characters and the to like get into the mindset of specifically talking about the girls and queens to get into the mindset of the characters and to get into the time period. But then I all and I didn't necessarily write while listening to that playlist. Okay. Um, it was more like a hype <laughs> playlist. Okay. No. Or for me to think. Okay. So it's a hype. Yeah. You're, you're going for hype. 
Because I know people go for because lo-fi. Some people go for... When I'm writing, there's there's a different playlist. Ooh. It's more introspective, okay. more, um, more soulful a little bit. Um, but there are... I know that a lot of times I, I ask this of writers too, and they like to listen to instrumental stuff. And sometimes I like instrumental, but... For this book, I did not. I I listened to Saint Vincent and um, Sharon Van Etten, yeah. like folksy kind Shout of ladies. <laughs> yeah, that's so. I I find yeah. that interesting because I only listen to like really? hype music. Yeah. Even when I'm reading, when I'm working, doing anything, it's always like on just to like focus me. And I'm glad you right. said that for the playlist for each well, character. That's so interesting. Right. For example, like Uchiwali is on the hype playlist. Okay, so like there's a, there's it's a real gamut. We're running the gamut awesome. on on kind of music that that informs how I'm, how I'm writing. That's so cool. And you you're doing a playlist for the paperback release, like in preparation for that. Yeah, that's so I'm cool. I'm gonna have it up on my website. I think. Oh, that's so cool. Little. I'll make sure yeah. to promote that also. That's great. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. That's so. And how did your culture, right, being from two different cultures, influence the book? Because I know in the book you have. Sometimes characters speaking a little bit of Spanish and a little bit of English. Was that intentional or was that just natural just because that's how we grew up? Yeah, that's um, natural. I think just based on the experience of growing up here or in Queens with so many different cultures, like there were some Korean phrases I knew growing up, you know, yeah. like, and that just informs the conversations that you're having. Um, and, and language. Um, is part of the fabric of growing up in Queens and you play with it. It's very playful and malleable and um, like certainly cursing in Spanish mm -hmm. was part of his life, school life. And, 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 um, and, and for me specifically, it's not something that, uh, so I grew up with a, my grandmother and my mother raised me Puerto Rican and my grandmother was a very, it uh, was a lot older. <laughs> so she lived to what, 103. Okay. That's the, that's the generation. Shout out. From, okay. <laughs> Amazing. And so she, uh, and she didn't speak, <clears throat> she would speak to my mom in Spanish, but not to me that much. So I didn't grow up like learning all that much, all that many curse words from them, <laughs> but from, from the streets. Yeah. That's where we learned it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yes, it, um, it was natural, but also intentional that I that there would be some Spanish in the book. I do remember that in part of the in the copy editing phase of uh, with HarperCollins, mm -hmm. um, they they returned the book to me with all these notes, and one of the corrections was to italicize the Spanish, and I was like ready to be like, I don't want to italicize it. It wouldn't be foreign to these kids. They would just be speaking it, and it wouldn't. I don't want to take the reader. I don't want the reader to be taken out of it just like the characters wouldn't be taken out of it. Um, but they were totally cool with it. <laughs> they awesome. were just like, okay, we won't italicize it. <laughs> like it wasn't an issue. At yeah, all. that's great. Um, I love that decision. Yeah. Cause that's, it's yeah. a minor thing, it's a minor. but it's, an, it's mm -hmm. very, it's very big for the readers because for me reading it and for anyone who speaks Spanish, even a little bit of Spanish mm -hmm. at home, it's just a conversation. It's just like, you're in it. It's like a scene from outside, a scene in your house, whatever, brothers, right. sisters, friends, right. But when you italicize yeah. something, it's like, why do we have to focus on this when it's a normal right. thing of everyday life everywhere? Right. That's, right. that's nice. And I'm a big proponent of not over-explaining things to readers, right? Like, even if you don't speak Spanish, you understand context enough to get through it. And um, 
it's been this has been like a craw in my side for a little bit like I personally feel like as somebody um similar to these characters who is working class who um you know was had to learn things that I didn't I wasn't necessarily uh raised with like beyond language like other things um educational barriers things like that um, but also as somebody who grew up in such a diverse place with other people who were uh, who didn't speak English as their first language, um, who uh, barely spoke English. Like I lived with many, you know, in the building with many people that didn't speak much English and I had to just make do and we communicated. We figured it mm-hmm. out, but we were not speaking a recognizable <laughs> English. And like that's just part of life, in my opinion, uh, from my experience. You just have to put together context clues and connect with people and keep it moving. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't, um, I personally, in my work, don't want to italicize foreign languages, well, for you know, for the most part, um, because I feel like you you can do the same. You can figure it out, and I'm not going to cater to that. Yeah. I love that, yeah. and I've seen one of the, one of the. That's one of the reasons why I love your book. Obviously, I'm biased for many reasons because it's a great representation for our neighborhood. But I've seen movies do that too, where they're not subtitling what they're saying, right? Yeah. Even if it's a short like back and forth in a different language. Right. And I can't remember the movie that was recent and people spoke about it. Like, oh, they didn't they didn't subtitle this, and I didn't really understand. I, I wonder if it was everything everywhere all at You see, it was. I think it was. It, I, I'm sure it, it was. It might have been that. But it's hard for me to say because I always put subtitles on. Because <laughs> I like, same. yeah, I like to read at the same time. But I appreciated it because it's like, that's their story. That's them. And there are mm-hmm. people who understand that. And I loved it. And you're, the same way yeah. you did in Italicize, I love that about it. Because it's just the same thought process, really. Thanks. Yeah. Thankfully, we're getting more and more normalizing everyone's yeah. languages. Not only one language yeah. around here. But yeah, of course. I also want to talk about that in Queen, in like the Queen's aspect of it, right? So mm-hmm. like... When you were growing up, was reading a big part of your childhood? From is it was it your own? Was it your parents, or did you really read later on? I um my my mother always read to me at bedtime. I'm sure, and I was an early reader. Um, I've told a story that when we when my mother registered for me for kindergarten, I guess they do like tests right to see where they're at, where the kids are yeah. at. And they, the administrators told my mom, oh, she can read already. And she was like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> like, she didn't realize it. So, I mean, there wasn't a concerted effort of, like, you're going to be a reader. It was just this happened. I I think I was always um, uh, pulled towards stories, um, reading stories, telling stories. Um, I was sort of I was a sh- uh, I was a shy kid, I guess. But that's really just old fashioned for like undiagnosed anxiety disorder. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, like um, those introverts right. were just introverts. Yeah, same. Right. I can pop um, up like really, really good on camera, but there's nobody around me. <laughs> you meet me in exactly, person. I'm like, I'm, exactly. I'm, I'm, OK. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've gotten myself, myself, I've gotten over it um, for, you know, whatever, there's been lots of therapy and lots of uh, medical intervention as well. But I, you know, I'm, I'm happy now to talk. But what I bring it up to say that I think that I was, I gravitated towards reading um, and books, because that was a way for me to connect to feel connected with other people. And that remains through my career. Like, that's why I write now. Um, that's why I read now, because I want to feel I want I want to feel connected with other people. I want to talk about continue conversations um, that I feel like maybe we're not really having or we should be having more. Um, so above all, um, 
yeah, I view my relationship with reading and writing as an opportunity to connect with other humans. That's awesome. That's, <laughs> with humanity. Yeah, yeah. And I know those tests you're talking about. Because my the test I had to take, my reading was like all the way over here. Because I was just an early reader yeah. and I was a good reader. Yeah. And my math was like all the way down here. <laughs> yeah. In the basement. Yeah. And yeah. they were like, is your Same. kid okay? Because this is like, yeah. this is like two different people right here. Like, oh, no, I'm just that bad at math. And I'm very good at reading. Yeah. I love I love, 100%. And the same reason I loved reading. I usually read like fiction and fantasy and things like that because like connecting with the characters, but living in their world. It's so, so interesting to me. And I'm glad. Yeah. It's, it's just like, I, if, and my mom early on read a lot of books, but I devoured them. I wanted more. And more. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Right. No, I mean, I was just going to say that um, I've I've brought this up a, a little bit in, in previous um, interviews and stuff, but I remember even reading comic books and specifically I liked Archie comics nice. a lot. And I would I would transcribe the comics as um, dialogue. Like I would just sit there as a mm-hmm. little kid, put it into like a Word document and make it into dialogue. Like why... I can't tell you why I thought that was a good idea, where I got that idea from, but I, I share to say like this impulse to like play with language, to understand, to even study it in a way was always there for me. Um, That's so and, interesting. Um, That's so cool. I'm so grateful that I've ended up. Because now for, for kids, they do that. So they'll give them like a comic book strip and they're like, you put the dialogue in and you like you work through all these things. And yeah. I think graphic novels and like anything like that is very good for kids. Yeah. Right? It's good for everyone. Everyone can read graphic novels. But for if you're, that's what I recommend to parents when they say, oh, when they come into the store and like my my kid doesn't read too much or they always ask for recommendations, I bring them towards graphic novels. Not like, and some are superheroes, some are not, but it really invests. It's like a movie unfolding in your head. Mm -hmm. You have the, like the illustrations, the beautiful illustrations and the words and the words aren't too heavy sometimes. But yeah, that's pretty cool. Absolutely. I didn't read Absolutely. that much comics growing up, unfortunately, because <laughs> I grew up with a single mom. So I read yeah. too quick. So I would read something and she'd be like, the comic books were so slim. She'd be like, uh, I'm like, I need another one. I need like 10 at a I'm time. She'd be like, yeah, you're done. get a book. And then we just started reading chapter books. Like, okay. But later yeah, on in yeah. life, I got very heavy into it. And I love, mm-hmm. I love all graphic novels. Did you, I'm just curious, did you, you grew up in Jackson Heights or a different neighborhood? No, I grew up in Jackson Heights. And I moved Jackson all Heights. over Queens, so- like Flushing, Astoria near Sunnyside and then back to Jackson Heights. Oh, okay. So and was li- were libraries a big part of your childhood? Did you read a lot in libraries or? Thanks for asking that. And I would love to hear about yours too, because my experience was the in Jackson Heights, that's where I grew up. That's where my love of reading began is the library there, unfortunately, and it's not like it was now. Now the library is beautiful. But when I was younger, yeah. it was very unfortunate that it was not well kept. It was very messy. Oh. It was really hard to find books. The books were very yeah. limited. Now it's beautiful, yeah. and I'm so happy that all the kids get to go. And there's a library right yeah. there on 81st, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one. And my mom brought me there a couple yeah. times, and it wasn't great. Now it's beautiful. It's so much improvement. So what she used to do was we used to get on the train and go to yeah. Forest Hills, another neighborhood we used to live. And what really drove my love of reading is that we always used to go almost every weekend, get a book yeah. from yeah. Barnes & Noble, or me just sit there and read, and then we'll watch a movie. So it was always like both those two things were like, and it just expanded my yeah. imagination, like yeah. to put, it was able to help me read and then put these books and these words into imagery because of the movies. So it was always like a back yeah. and forth thing. So that's what I used to do. And then that's one of the reasons why I wanted to open up my own store. Cause I was like, oh, all these kids have to f- travel so far away if they want to build their own library at home. 
That's wonderful. And thank you so much for filling that need too. Like um, there are wonderful, uh, there were already uh, wonderful bookstores, but like Mm -hmm. in this area of Queens, we really, I always wanted something local. I don't think I said this. I mean, I've told you, but I didn't say it yet on the podcast that I lived in Jackson Heights as an adult Mm -hmm. for almost 10 years and raised or started to raise my son there. Um, We have since moved away, sadly, for many different factors, but um, but I actually, uh, growing up in Woodside, my mom would take me to Jackson Heights for a while, nice. to that library. To that library? Um, yeah. And uh, I guess I see what you're saying. <laughs> it was yeah. maybe a little bit. It was just a little um, bit. And my mom was like, I don't know. Because she yeah. wasn't like one to be a huge reader, right? So it was yeah. hard for her to like yeah. try to find the books. And she just mm-hmm. got, she was like, eh. <laughs> she just started bringing yeah. me to the parts. Like, yeah. Sure. But that's interesting that uh, like, we would travel a bit too. Like we would go to the Jackson Heights one and we would go to the Elmhurst Mm -hmm. on Broadway. Um, And, and then I ended up as a tween, like middle school, high school, I'd go to the Broadway or the Elmhurst one. I call it Broadway, but there's literally a Broadway branch. So whatever the Elmhurst one um, just to like hang out with friends. Uh, And so, uh, but going back to what you were saying, there was an element of bonding with my mom too, about like, well, we're going to take this trip to the library and you're going to leave me alone for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're going to go read books. Cause she was a single mother too. Um, and, and it absolutely helped to, again, I was more of a shy introverted kid and that helped to broaden my horizons, broaden my world. And I remember walking around specifically the Elmhurst one and seeing like um, all the different languages that books were available. And, I guess I now live in the suburbs and um, I just want to say that like maybe I took that for granted growing up in such a diverse area where there were so many um, books available to different people. And that wasn't treated as like a specialty or wasn't odd or like, you know, you had to jump through hoops to get it. It was like, oh, this is always available here to everybody truly public. Yeah, Um, that's the listen. Uh, many pros for living in Queens. The pro list is huge compared to the con (laughs) list. But I think one of those cons kind of. And it's like mm-hmm. a pro and a con, really, is that it is so diverse that we do not realize how it is outside our pocket world, like our world. So, like, when I was growing up, the books that we read were never by any POC. Mm-hmm. All growing up. Like, it was never. It was right. always white authors, classic books, everything. And it was only until my, my either junior year or senior year in college where I read my first book where the kid looked like me, sounded like me, was chunky, loved superheroes, ate the foods that I ate. And then that's when I realized, like, wait a minute. Oh, no. Did I, is there, are there other books like us? There are a million books for us. And then that's when I realized, like, oh, no, I, I was so involved in our world here in Jackson Heights and in Queens in general that I never realized that other people might not have this access. Because if I couldn't do it and I live in this neighborhood where everyone speaks different languages, how could I not have access right. to all these books? Right. And then that's when I started devouring books. That's another reason why I opened the store. And then another reason why I do TikToks. And it even enhanced my, not even enhanced it, but it, it doubled down on the fact that there's many places all over the United States that are not as diverse as us. Right. And they need these recommendations. Yeah. isn't That's so interesting to me that, um, which I hadn't necessarily considered specifically that way, that we grew up in such a diverse area. We knew who we saw mm-hmm. with each other. But yet in our educational system, public or private, we weren't being taught literature featuring people that looked like us yeah. until much later. Much later. So, and I was in the school I, in the I neighborhood. Hope that that has, I hope that that has changed a little bit, but I, I don't know. <laughs> to, 
Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But to be fair, in some schools, I do believe because they have reached out to me to help them diversify their classrooms. Okay. So in that matter, that I know yeah. that. And in regards to, so my daughter, I have a five-year-old. Yeah. She goes me to too. a dual language. Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. She, oh, well, a five-year-old five son. Five-year-old son. Oh, yes. <laughs> How's he with reading? How's he with reading? He's pretty good. He likes it. Does he yeah. enjoy it? He lo- yeah, he loves it. Yeah. That's, that's he great. he loves it. He's he he reads a lot uh on his own what he can. Um look, that's not to say that like I have a peaceful life where I can just put him with a book <laughs> yeah, and then... he reads the book. No, no, no. That's not it. <laughs> We're not there yet. Same. He she likes to yeah. read, but mm-hmm. embarrassingly. Not embarrassingly. I'm happy. She's yeah. great at math. She's great at Oh. And she says that's easy. That's excellent. I know it is excellent because I did not have that that luck. So she's like very good yeah. at everything. And I'm like, okay, but yeah. she's like, no, math is the easiest. I'll do math right now if you want me to. I'm like, all right, let's let's read. <laughs> That's my thing. Yeah, that's my life. <laughs> right, but I mean, it's a it should, it could be a relief too that like, oh, you don't have to help with that part. She's got that. <laughs> yeah. Comes so easily to her, so I'm, I'm glad. But yeah, she's in a dual language school, and it was it was I did that on purpose to avoid what I went through. I wanted to make sure she has books and people around her speaking spanish and in her culture and other because it's there's regular classes too so she gets to meet mm-hmm. all the diverse people in jackson heights but yeah right hopefully it has That's changed awesome. but it i did not even realize how much we took for granted exactly what you said that we live mm-hmm. in such a diverse area that other places don't aren't like that and they need that right and they feel like le- some some latinos and latinx people feel in their neighborhoods in like in la and texas and other places who connect with me through tiktok have said my neighborhood doesn't have any of that. So these recommendations are wonderful. And it's it's nice to hear because we do take it for granted. I'm looking outside and you, I could literally see five different countries right now. It's, it's yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's pretty cool. I'm glad to hear about your kid too because at that age, it's precarious. A lot of parents get worried if their kids aren't reading too much, but it's still early on. Some connect more than yeah. others. Yeah. Um, do you read to him every night? Yeah. Yeah, I, I say it that way because um, I like shot myself in the foot by agreeing to do four books a night. And I'm like, now that he's reading longer stuff, I'm like, we gotta scale this back. <laughs> we gotta I made that like mistake. I made that mistake. Yeah. And then I started scaling it back earlier on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I did like, so we used to do that. We used to read way too many books. And then she was just using it to avoid going to sleep. I go, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't do that. I know right. you like it, right. but, but you, I know your interior motive is to avoid sleep. Sure. And then I started making her read too. So we, she read a book to herself. I read one book, and then she read another book, and they got tired oh, her that's out. That's excellent. Okay, that's a great idea. That's a good tip. I'm gonna say you read one, and then I read yeah. So one. she reads like a smaller book, and then she gets through yeah. it quicker, and then I read the the bedtime bedtime book, and then we're good. Right. So we, we're down to two oh. now. Yeah, I like that. And then it gives them the choice. They feel like they're independent making the choice yeah. that they're reading. Yeah. We started implementing that. That's pretty cool. I like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> I had to because the four books a night. I read fast, but it's too much. And the context thing, going back to the, what you were saying about the context, mm-hmm. even for like adults watching and reading your book, for children mm-hmm. too, context is huge for them. That's how they make up most of their language, Spanish and in English. Yeah. So to yeah. keep that going is important because if we were able to do it as kids, you, adults can definitely do that when reading. Of course. That was a thought yeah. part. That's what I thought um, when you said that. Yeah, there's like a a minefield of um, reading philosophy here about like how to teach reading literacy philosophy. And I'm not well versed in that at all. But I'm aware of the conversations going on. But like, what's the best way to teach children how to read phonetics, you know, phonics versus context. But I really think it's 
a combination, right? They have yeah. to learn the way to sound out the letters. And also you have to look for context clues too. Yeah. Like uh, everything is a combination. Visual. Um, yeah. I had another interview. She, um, she wrote the book, The Coquisto Sing. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about, she's actually a teacher in schools and she okay. teaches visual literacy and speech pathology and visual literacy is like a huge thing for children to make the context of the words of, from the pictures to the words. And it was sure. to put a word to it, visual literacy. I had never heard of that. And I was like, Oh, there's yeah. a word for it. I just thought it was just yeah. like, look at the picture and it makes sense when you read the words, but right. it's pretty cool. It's right. like, there's a whole like a big depth into the way you read, why you read, what triggers children's brains. And so interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, how long or when was the first time you got the idea for it? The girls in Queens, or was it a completely different idea when you first thought about it and then it changed? Um, it was an evolution. Um, the, the this book, so the the hardcover, which you have so lovely uh, placed behind you. Yes, thank you. <laughs> the hardcover came out in June of last year with Harper Via, and um, the paperback will be coming out, I believe, May second um, of this year. And I first had the uh, germ of the idea in 2015. Okay. Um, are you yourself a Mets fan? Or maybe you're not. That sounds familiar that you're a Yankee fan. <laughs> you are right. Okay. I love yes, Queens. Okay. I love it. Yes. I'll never move, but yeah, I'm a Yankees fan. My mom's fault. That's, that's <laughs> My mom's fault. My grandpa, huge Mets fan. Daryl Strawberry all the way. Everything, everything, everything. He loved the Yeah. Mets, but I was a Yankee fan. We, I won't hold it. Up, you know. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I I bring it up because in 2015 I was lucky enough to win um, tickets to um, a Mets World Series. Game. Whoa! Nice. And even though you don't like the Mets, you know that they don't usually get to. The I World know. Series, yeah, right? that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> um, so I was lucky enough to win tickets, and I was there at City Field, right? The relatively newer City Field. Shea, Shea Stadium had been demolished in 20 in 2009 ish or 2008. And when I was there, um, I was thinking back on the last time that the Mets made a dent in the postseason, mm-hmm. which was 2006, um, with a heavily Latinx team run by, led by Omar Minaya, who's from Queens, who's Dominican American. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that was the first time uh, that I recall the Mets as an organization catering to a Latinx audience and specifically like the neighborhoods that Shay was uh, surrounded, surrounded by. by. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that would be wonder, that would be really cool and great to write a story set then. And at that point I was only writing short stories. So I imagined it would be, I would write a short story set then, but, um, short and they lost that world series. FYI. Yeah, everybody. Sorry. (laughs) Um, uh, shortly after that, um, I became captivated by, um, the Brock Turner case Mm. out of Stanford. So Brock Turner was a, um, an athlete at Stanford that, Stanford, sorry, that um, attacked uh, Chanel Miller, who went on to write her own really wonderful um, memoir okay. called Know My Name, I believe. I think that's it, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, and uh, she was a Jane Doe at the time, but she uh, the coverage of the trial was um, interesting. And I was, ca- I was interested in the people that were coming forward to defend him in, in his trial, and specifically the women that were defending him. And, um, and so I realized that, uh, you know, that became sort of a fixation for me. And I, I, I realized I could marry 
my interest in writing about that time, that 2006 time with the Mets, with this idea of an athlete um, being accused of sexual assault and the women that come forward to defend him. But, you know, really, I wanted to use that as a stage to dive into what it is that happens in women's lives um, as a young girl, perhaps, that plants the seeds or, or starts the process of them turning away from each other, turning away from sisterhood towards upholding the patriarchy, yeah. towards um, defending men accused uh, or who have demonstrated bad behavior. Who, uh, um, and, uh, and how can we do better? Um, and so that's when I realized that this wasn't just a short story. This was a big novel uh, idea, idea. Yeah. That's so interesting mm-hmm. to hear and, how you went to two different phases. You had this idea and then you had this idea and then you decided to like merge them together to make one great mm-hmm. story. And then mm-hmm. reading the story already for everyone who hasn't read it yet, you can see how those two mix together and you literally wrote it exactly how you described it. And that's awesome. Yeah. That's incredible. Thanks. And you, what's your relationship um, with sports in general? So I, um, I used to, around the 2006 team, I was very much into the Mets. So, um, that old obsession helped inform the the writing of this novel. Um, but it was just like unhealthy for me at some <laughs> point. Truly, like I I was um, buying all three New York papers at some point to read the different sports coverage of the game. And I was very interested in the culture and, um, and the drama of a baseball season. Yeah. Um, and I still appreciate baseball and love it for that. But I have to appreciate it from a little bit of distance now. <laughs> I'm still I am a Mets fan, and I um, I go to games, but I don't live in Queens anymore, so it's not as easy to go just take the train and go. <laughs> right, right, and certainly as a parent, I'm not I'm not sitting home watching every game that's on. Either. It's there are long games and attention span. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But I I will always. Uh, uh, have love for the Mets and, and rep them, but that's sort of tied to my love for Queens too. That's awesome. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. And I appreciate that part of the book because I love baseball. That was my sport growing up. I tried mm-hmm. soccer. They kicked me and I didn't like that. I'm like, nah, I can't be kicked all day. Yeah. So baseball yeah. was always my thing. And even now, like I follow, I still obviously I'm in Queens, so I'm always going to follow the Mets and I always make sure like I keep an eye on them and their team and yeah. the way they support the Latina community. And I always make sure because they're here. So it got to, yeah. got to represent, yeah. but yeah, that's yeah. awesome. I, lo- I like that. I, I didn't grow up a big baseball person, but I, I played basketball because mm. I was always tall. I was always like the tallest kid in my class and I played basketball and I, um, yeah, I enjoyed that a lot. Actually, sometimes I even think about joining an adult league or something. Those thoughts <laughs> crossed my mind too. And then I realized I'm too tired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, should I do a softball? Like they, they do like whole leagues right. for this. I'm like, uh-uh. we're too busy reading four books at night to our kids. Good. Yeah. We were tired the <laughs> next day. You got to do yeah. it all over again. It's like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Pick them up, drop them off. But I, I, I do want to say one other thing that um, part of what I wanted to accomplish with this novel was also to present women and girls as sports fans on their own. Like there's a lot about the male gaze in this book, but the but their sports fandom is not really filtered through that. Right. And it's um, not tied towards men at all, which right. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. Right. Because... I grew up seeing like exactly what you said. We, we had girls. We have we were playing, and I don't like this mm-hmm. idea. Where it's like two different ideas for me that I don't really enjoy because I, I don't think it's it's there's a there's not truth to it, but it's just like the bad stigma. Like one, boys don't read. I don't like that. That's the first thing. And then mm-hmm. the second one is like the girls. Like whenever it's a sports book, it has to be towards boys, and like right. the those sports books that aren't for like are made for girls are only they're not gonna have a good market. And I know that as a fact. That's wrong. 
But those are high right. sellers here in the store. So like yeah. I've done Furia, which is soccer based. I've had Muay Thai book that keeps selling out. And it's always girls' main characters. And it's not like through a male or like my dad wanted me, a, wanted me to be a boy. So that's why I do it. No, no, no. It's just like they just love the sport. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you both. Yeah. It's it's a great, then your way your book does it is like, ah, oh, it's beautiful. Because my mom loves baseball. That's where I got it from. And she never played mm-hmm. baseball. She just loves the game of baseball. Yes. And that's, I mean, that's also very big in the Latina, in the Latina community mm-hmm. too, right? Baseball is a big part for which I don't think I can go into. <laughs> There's a lot of different aspects about how baseball influences our home countries and also uh, here in the States, like who is playing and who's really in control, you know, like owners of teams. And so, yeah, it's a um, whole big, like- but baseball is very much a part of, um, I'll say specifically Latinx communities in Queens. Like I remember going to Flushing Meadows and People are playing, you know, lots of Latinx kids were playing baseball, like on, on out extracurricular leagues. Fields over there is baseball. The field over here is soccer. Like, that was huge. It was huge for us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's cool. And did you, so you say you were writing short stories. Mm-hmm. How? I did. I started off writing short stories. I think I was um, intimidated. I, I don't know that I thought I had a novel in me. Uh, so I was just writing st- short stories and, like, working on my craft until until coming upon this idea (laughs) was it like a big change for like the way you write and the pacing of it when you switched to like a novel or it just came natural because the story is so big yeah um it was something that i had to um learn as i went as i built the plane or whatever that saying is (laughs) um yeah it was a different it was a difference for the pacing and I worked on the pacing a lot. I had to figure out the structure, you know, the stories told in different um, timelines yeah. in the nineties of the two thousands and uh, early two thousands and then 2006. And so I had to play around with that a lot and make, and try not to lose the pace. You know, I, I didn't want it to lag too much. Um, and I'm grateful for my, for my editor at, at HarperCollins that really helped me figure some of those things out. Um, but eventually I ended uh, just to finish that that up about how I decided to alternate a little bit between the present day of the 2006 story or the plot and then and then informing it from the, the back story. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized that a lot of this book was going to be about how about memory and specifically the memory of a trauma survivor. So the way that the book is structured is that at the beginning of the book, you get the story that Brisma has told herself, the narrative that she has built to survive mm-hmm. the situation um, that she's been in. And then she gets information that changes her perspective. And then you get to see the things, the, the seedier elements that she's edited out of her own personal story. Right. Um, to survive and, and basically uh, like get through the day. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, um, that's something that would have been hard to pull off in a a short story. Um, And something that I, you know, just figured out as I went, I really had to trust myself to let myself write the scenes as they came and then make sense of it afterwards. Like in terms of where, where everything would go in terms of the storytelling. That's cool. And do you use Mm -hmm. index cards to do that? I do. How much, how um, beneficial is that? Because I literally just saw a video where someone was explaining that they were taught how to use index cards and it helps them build the scenes better and really script out what they're trying to think of in their head. And Yeah, 
I am very much a planner. Like, I don't know if you've heard of planner versus pants or yeah. like you right yeah. by the seat of your pants mm-hmm. or so I'm, I'm, I lean more towards, um, plan. Um, I, this so the index cards right here for my second book that I'm working on. Um, and I have a, an outline. Um, I have some chapters, you know, too, but as I write more, I learn more about what the story is. And so then that, then I turn back to the outline and I, you know, realize maybe this isn't going to be here or maybe this is totally wrong. This is not going to happen in the story. Um, and so it, for me, I prefer to have tangible cards I can move around. I know that there are um, program. Are you a writer yourself? Do you write? No, no. I've written okay, before, so are, but I'm too busy, yeah. but I, I will get back to it one day. Yeah. There are programs you can um, use, like Scrivener, um, mm. that will allow you to move chapters around. But like, I, I don't want to learn a new. <laughs> I don't want to learn a program. Physical like basics that. is it's, it's nice to get back. To yes, that. and and I also write by hand usually. So mm-hmm. for the girls and queens, I write by I wrote scenes first by hand, and then I would transcribe it into the word document that I was working in, and um. I really feel like it was in that transcription where the alchemy happened of like transforming it out of like this sketch I had in my mind into, into something more cohesive or or bigger than I would have imagined. Like um, I can't give an example from this, but from the the next book I'm writing, as I was doing that, I realized like, Oh, this person is bi. (laughs) I didn't know that. (laughs) Like as I was right, you know, like this came to me as I was trying. And it just came that like while you were doing it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a big part of my process. I think is the, the, the transcription um, from writing it by hand, which is, which is fruitful uh, in its own route. Right. And then, and then putting it onto the computer changes it a second time deeply for me. So the funny that you asked me if I was a writer. So when I realized that I hadn't read a story that looked like me until after I read finally a book, I got super mad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) My first, my first reaction was anger. And I was like, I'm going to write, forget that. So then I did write and I only handwritten. I couldn't, I couldn't write on the computer. Like nothing would come to me. So then I just wrote like a whole storyline. And then I wrote the second version of that storyline. And then when I transcribed it onto the computer, it, I didn't finish it, but I, I put like better outline, better character descriptions. I'm like, oh, okay, this is much easier. I'm gonna, yeah. And then I was like, you know what? Let me take a break on this. Let me do a bookstore. It'll reach more people soon. And then that's. <laughs> <laughs> and your second yeah. book is it fiction? It is fiction. Yeah, um, it is a, a novel um, set in a New England beach town, Ooh. and it revolves around a murder. A body is a body washes ashore, Whoa. murdered, not drowned. Whoa. And then. Um, it follows the investigation as the lives of two mothers in the town are are, are brought into it as it swirls. So mystery into a much bigger big big. Mystery. Yes, there's an element. There's a strong element of mystery. Whoa. I think I'm a little hesitant to call it a murder mystery, <laughs> but yeah, there's an element yeah. of it. That's awesome. Congratulations. That's so cool. Thank that is, you. That's yeah. a, it's exciting to write some to jump into something brand new. Yeah, of um, course. That's so that's so interesting. And do you? And this is why I always wonder. Do you ever think about going into other genre like fantasy or like things like that like sci-fi or um or no not that (laughs) but i will say that um when we were talking about libraries and stuff earlier one of the first uh loves that i had was rl stein like i loved rl stein as a kid yeah fear street specifically of course goosebumps but like fear street really was my sweet spot with like you know teenagers being murdered i guess (laughs) but um (laughs) yeah no it was great it was super yeah it wasn't 
It wasn't scary. Like it, I mean, right? But the stories were so deep, and it was t- targeted towards us, and it was so interesting. Yeah. Like, it, it, he felt yeah. he, he treated us like our age. Yeah. And I like yeah. that. Um. So I thought about like maybe I could do that, but I I am now as an adult like way too much of a scaredy cat, and I don't even wanna. I don't want to as a creative person walk into that uh, to open that door because I would scare myself. <laughs> so you'll just so, get too deep so in no the rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. But um, I have, uh, I've also always been influenced by poetry, mm. I think. And I don't, I don't, I haven't uh, fully acknowledged or respected that <laughs> until recently that, oh, it's really had a big influence on me. Um, and so I've, uh, I've been dabbling a little bit with poetry. Nice. Um, I don't know if that they will ever um, see the light of day, but we'll see. Um, and then, and then another Another dream, another sort of secret dream I have is to someday write a children's book, but that also sounds intimidating. I guess I'm I, I'm sure that's always intimidating before you do it, <laughs> before you take. The and then once you have the storyline, you'll be you'll be good to go. More index yeah. cards. That's awesome, though. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. the poetry, poetry is a big thing, and I try to get more people to read it. And I know I asked you, what's like one of these books that you want to read? And you said poetry, and like mm-hmm. the reason I I never liked poetry growing up, and then I realized uh-huh. why. I was like, oh, it's just, it goes back to the same thing. It was like I was only reading right. poetry by. Like, old white men it was literally only yep. men too yep. right which mm-hmm. is like no mm-hmm. women it was just only old white men poetry and right. then as i got older i started reading more poetry especially from the latina community and the black community even in a api community i was blown back i was just blown away by the poetry like their sentence yeah. every sentence hit a lot of the times like i listen to a lot of hip-hop and a lot of those that type of music reggaeton yeah. and, and like these were like bars like bars after bars after bars i was yeah. like oh okay this, yeah. So this is why I didn't like poetry. And now right. I try to make sure I always have poetry in here and, and, and really recommend it to people because yes. it's important for us. And I think anyone who likes music would like poetry, especially from our own people, because it has a different like cadence and rhythm to it. Right. Yeah, I think that, um, I think maybe in the absence of literature in school, <laughs> right, that we were being taught, High class did, weren't yeah. featuring us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, poetry what was probably the first time I was able to see us before before seeing before reading novels mm. um like the New York and slam poets uh like the, from the 70s and 80s but also I see you have when we make it back there by Elizabeth Velasquez and she's I mean she's wonderful yeah I love I love her work so much she's, and she's a contemporary option yeah. for, kid, for kids for teens for adults like that's a really great novel in verse she's too. great she's and that's in yeah. The reason I always make sure I have a copy of it is because for that specific reason, right? Because mm-hmm. if you see any in her in any interview or on her TikTok, on her Instagram, the way she talks, that's our brothers, our sisters, our our girls at school, our friends, right? She talks very, very, right? And then you read the book and you can read it just like, again, it's like your friend. Yeah. And I thoroughly yeah. enjoy that. Another one is like um, Elizabeth Acevedo. Very, oh, yeah. Very, yeah. very modern. Like, I read her books. And I'm like, literally, this was my classroom. <laughs> These were my friends. This is what I went through when yeah, I was in high school and I was younger. And I was like, okay, this poetry is this this, this is game changing when you have our people there. Yeah. That's cool. A- absolutely. And um, we mm-hmm. spoke about this briefly when you when you came to visit Pasata Mercado. And thank you. Um, but the literary scene in Queens. Yeah. How do you feel about it? Like, how's it growing? Because I feel like it's growing and we have books like yours. We've had so many different authors coming out. How do you feel yeah. about it? I mean, that's such an open-ended question. Yeah. Do you feel like it's growing <laughs> um, more? Do you feel like more attention's coming towards us? Because we've always had great writers. We've always had great people. 
Yes, we always have. I'm going to say I would I am thrilled um to be publishing or to have published The Girls and Queens the same year as Daphne Palacios-Andreades' book Brown, Brown Girls, Girls set in Queens and the same year as Busher Roman's Roses in the Mouth of a Lion. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've read that of Busher's You yet, told me. But... You told me about it in December yeah. and I just started it. I just got oh, I got okay. a chance and I yeah. yeah. It's great. It's, it's so... such a good start to it already. Yeah. Uh, both of those books are excellent and I'm so um, tickled <laughs> that I get to be um, contributing to uh, Queen, Queen's having their mo- its moment, maybe? Mm-hmm. Queen's having her moment? Yeah, we're getting there. <laughs> um, yeah, because I don't think that, I think that sometimes um, when some, when an artist, when a writer lives in Queens and they get their books published, not so many times does a writer who grew up in Queens get to write a book about Queens right. <laughs> and have that published uh, by a major publisher. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's a unique, specific voice that deserves to be heard. Um, we are all either first or second generation immigrant kids that grew up in Queens um, in in the New York, um, in, in the area of New York that doesn't usually get the fancy spotlight. Um, Brooklyn has a literary yet, scene, but we're, we're right, getting there. Right. We don't usually get that spotlight, but we or our parents make New York run, right? Yeah. Like we are, we're everywhere. We function the whole thing. When everyone's done with yeah. work, where are you going back home? We're going to Queens. Yeah. Best food Queens. Um, <laughs> so I think it's really special and I'm so, so grateful to have them um, as um, peers coming out with books um, in the same year, lifting Queens up like that. Yeah. You know, um, I hoped in the writing of the girls in Queens that I could really write almost an ode to kids like us right kids that were the children of immigrants working class who might feel excluded by or torn between the countries of their parents uh their parents countries of origin and and also like general american culture and so then uh, and and who viewed queens which really becomes especially in my book to stand for any urban community of of diverse um, backgrounds. Communities, yeah. You don't yeah, have to be from Queens to enjoy us. the books, right? Because exactly. we're called the world's borough for a reason. It's like, it's for, we have everybody around the world here. And right. it's so easy for our neighborhoods to connect to literally any neighborhood or any household, yeah. which is what right. I love about Queens. And that's why I love, like yeah. our books, when people hear Queens, I feel like they think, oh, it's just for Queens. And I'm like, no, 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 it's for everybody. We can all relate because these are diverse characters, yeah. which is the most beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I think one of the key elements of that is that we end up having a pride for our hometown, uh, for where for that community, mm-hmm. and that becomes our homeland. Yeah, right. That's that becomes where our pride lies. That's um, so funny you said that. That's my thing because there's like there was like this TikTok sound like, uh, like, what's your toxic trait? And I feel like people from Queens specifically, especially Latinx community in Queens, is like we have two toxic traits. Like one, we're super prideful of our homeland like where our parents are from. And then we're super prideful about <laughs> Queens. Like that is our homeland. Like we will defend yeah. it to the end. Like that's, that's right. what we do. And that's, and I right. feel like it's a running thread between a lot of people. And I love it. Right. Yeah. I think so too. I, I think because um, for it's, it was my experience that like Queens is really the community that raised me. And like, yes, I do feel um, um, allegiances and pride for Puerto Rico specifically, 
uh, growing up with my Puerto Rican family. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, you know, Queens and New York is really what informed me, oh. informed me and formed me as a writer, yeah. as a human. Um, That's beautiful. That's a clip right there. That's a clip right there. I'm <laughs> clipping it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's, that's yeah. so cool. And yeah. And oh, I do want to, can I say one thing you said that it's relatable to anybody regardless of where they're from? Yeah. I've had people reach out to me. I mean, I've, I've interacted with a college student who was able, who told me that like through tears that this is the first time she felt seen in a book, which oh. was like amazing, humbling moment for me. And I've also had 81 year old Connecticut grandmothers reach out to me to say, you know, I was married to a Brian, you know, I, I've, I've experienced these things. Yeah. Cause of storyline. Mm-hmm. I, I, I felt seen too. So uh, it's those moments are really what, um, I hold on to as somebody who is writing to connect with people, like to help people feel seen, to help people work through emotions. Um, so that's been amazing. And that I, I also try to remind myself too, <laughs> like we're, I'm writing, I'm writing for this purpose to, to connect with people. I'm glad you brought that up. That was a great segue because when I, cause I more than a content creator, I, I have the firsthand experience of people buying books. Right. So I get the both ends. Mm-hmm. Like I could recommend them on, on my content and I can actually see someone buy it. So I have yeah. two stories for you. Okay. One story is people coming in and being very excited for the book. Like when they see Queens, they automatically are drawn to it. It's just a thing for us. Right. You see a sticker, you see a hat, you see anything that says Queens. And I've seen someone get it and read it and be like, that's always oh, a beautiful book. I've never read a book about our neighborhood. That's one. Oh. Right. And I get that yeah. multiple times. Yeah. But the first time I heard it was the first time the book, like they actually grabbed your book and left and it came back. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. And then the second one, someone grabbed it. And I usually, like, I have conversations with people who are buying books. I go, oh, are you from Queens? Because I was about to go on a whole spiel about your book. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, no, my friend moved. And I think they had moved to Florida, I believe. Okay. They had moved to Florida and they missed it. They were from here, from Astoria, but they still miss Queens because yeah. they grew up around here. So yeah. they were sending it to her like a, like a, like a gift because just yeah. so they can feel a little bit at home because they were feeling a little bit homesick. Yeah. And they sent your book. And then I saw her again, and she was like, she loved the book. She's like one of her favorite books of the year. Yeah, that was a cool oh, story. That's awesome. I like that one yeah. because more than anything, like when Queens people move to feel connected to home, they can read books like ours, like yours, yeah. and other books from yeah. Queens from people like us. And then yeah, they feel back at home. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, that's, this is really... my favorite part. Like the last part of the podcast, I usually save, and people she did not know that I usually do this, but I usually like do the the, the storylines, like the, what I what I see with my own eyes, and what I hear from the people, and that's. Yeah, yeah, it's great. You really do. That's your amazing. book really just like touches a lot of people. Even like all of, like yours and Daphne's when they both came out, people were like going crazy for them. They were coming oh. in a lot, like just to, for that representation and also to support you guys. Yeah, that's really wonderful. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It's helpful. You know, I think writers can be um, uh, very sensitive. And susceptible to the wind. I don't know how you guys can do it. Yeah. That's like your baby Um, out in the world and then just like judged over and over and over and over and over and over again. Right. Yeah. So it's always, I'm always so grateful for any time anyone reaches out to me to tell me that like it meant something to them to read the book, for a bookseller to tell me that people are telling them they loved it. So that's amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. No, of course. Thank you. Like, it's just great. It's great for me. It's great for everybody. Everyone's enjoying it. And And I'm glad... That's another reason why I want to do these, right? Like this podcast, like mm-hmm. to be able to talk to yeah. authors and let you guys know, like you guys really are like, I'm picking specific authors 
for the way the yeah. podcast is run, like chapters. So I'm going to run the podcast like chapters. So like there's going to be a first chapter of like mental health authors, second chapter children's, right? Yeah. And then add in a content creator. And then it's like fiction and then queens. So all sorts of different chapters for everyone to enjoy, like whatever they choose, whatever genre they like. And yeah, I, this is why I really wanted to let you guys know like the difference you guys are making. Because all I do, my job is to amplify your voices, your work, and that's all I want to do. And I get to, we get to share it with everybody. Yeah. 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 It's great. Thank you. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, Christine. That was a wonderful interview. I loved it. I love this. Oh, thank you so too. much. I'm so glad you were here. <laughs> thank you so yeah. much for taking the time out of your day. Thank you for writing the book. Hopefully we get to see each other again when you come back in Queens. Yes, I would love to. Let's be in touch about going back to the Mercado. I'll be happy to to meet up with you there again and yeah. maybe sign some books. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. That's great. And then, yeah. okay, so let's remind everybody. Your paperback is coming out hopefully May. May 2nd. May 2nd. The Girls and Queens and paperback. So it'll be more affordable if you've been waiting. <laughs> you don't want to pay for a hardcover. It will be in paperback. Um, I don't blame you. I, I hear you. Um, and, uh, and I'll, I'm sure I'll be out. I'm going to be doing a few events. Um, Beautiful. I just don't have a specific concrete information to, to let you on. Is it going to be the same cover in paperback? It will be the same cover. Nice. Yeah. Which I'm really happy about. It's a great um, cover. I love it. it yeah. Thanks. Um, Alicia Tatone designed it and, um, the inspiration, they were very receptive to like talking to me about what I was interested in having on the book. And so I had originally asked them if they could, um, I sent them pictures of the old Shea stadium mm. that had the, the neon catching and pitching and playing figures. RIP that sign, man. I yeah. hate <laughs> driving there and not seeing that sign. And I look at yeah. city field. I'm like, come on. That was right. who, who made that decision. Yeah. I mean, look, Shay had a bunch of issues, yeah, but that true. did, <laughs> that was like a landmark yeah, to see those. I love figures. those names. I always think about it when I drive by. Yeah. So, um, so they didn't, you know, specifically include that, but the colors are neon, the, the neon mm-hmm. colors from those figures. Um, yeah. I love it. Yeah. I, the, the, the colors, what, that's why I have them like that. Cause the, I love colorful. I love colorful. Sure, it makes it better. Yeah. It makes it awesome. So I'm glad the yeah. paperback's going to look the same way. Great. And yeah, everybody, I will be carrying the paperback, obviously. <laughs> For oh, everyone's going to have options. Yeah. yeah. We're going to have hardcover. We're going to have paperback. <laughs> we're going to have everything. Um, but great. great. Thank you so much, yeah. Christine. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you, Adrian. Thanks for listening to the Pura Cultura Collective with Book Poppy. Cuídate mucho. Bye.